welcome to the Campaign Mode podcast, the podcast that dissects that magical intersection between gaming and marketing. And believe me, there's some magic in there. Now, I owe you all an apology because I've been away for a few weeks. In fact, over a month. In fact, more than over a month. And that's because uh, we moved house, picked up the family, moved state, although, you know, just not far away, but still moved state. And the studio has been packed up. So uh, I haven't really been able to record professionally, if you can call this professional, um, and I didn't want people coming on and having a poor experience. But now we're set up and we're back, back, back. And today we're back with uh, an awesome guest, my friend Amanda Davis, who is the uh, Associate Director of Gaming for the WPP creative agency Grey. Grey is a global network. Um, great agency, and Amanda is uh, an awesome person. So uh, we had a great chat, covered a very broad range of topics within the gaming and marketing space, which I think was very interesting. Uh, and we covered puppies. So um, if you're interested in puppies, this is the podcast for you too now, apparently. Either way, uh, I'm going to hand over to uh, the virtual version of me and the virtual version of Amanda, and I'll come back at the end to do some, uh, some uh, uh, housekeeping and some more waffle. But uh, without further ado, here is Amanda Davis. Okay, welcome to the Campaign Mode podcast, Amanda Davis. Amanda is the Associate Director of Gaming at Grey, an agency very close to my heart, uh, and one of the world's biggest ad agencies. So who better to have on um, the first show back than somebody so central to uh, what it is we do here? So I want to welcome Amanda to the show. Amanda, thanks for coming on. I love it. Dan, I'm so excited to talk to you. Thank you for having me. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's brilliant to connect. So, give us the first the, the the beginning of each of these. I love to sort of just hand over and um, have you introduce yourself because you'll do a, a much better job than I just did. So, tell us about you and then and and the role that the role at Gray. Oh my goodness, about me. Okay, um, don't go you know, get... don't go too far back. Okay, so I was born at no. Um, <laughs> No, but I think a lot of my kind of, you know, background probably does equate to, to kind of how I work and what I do. Um, I was born and raised in Richmond, Virginia, which is kind of like a small city in the South. It's great. I got a lot of all worlds. Um, in high school, I got really into making my own clothes, doing kind of fashion design, vintage styling. Um, I started working in fashion you know, moved to New York, started styling windows and doing the whole New York City fashion thing. And it was really fun. And it was totally like something I was passionate about um, for, for a good like first half of my life. Um, I lived in California for a little bit doing the same thing. Lived in this like very sleepy beach town called Oceanside. It was lovely. Um, but I learned quickly it was way too slow. I needed to be on the East Coast. I needed to be kind of like slightly stressed out at all times. Um, so I moved back to New York. And I've been here ever since. Um, after fashion, I kind of took this like weird 180 turn into advertising by just, I started um, at the front desk actually of, a, of an editorial publisher, worked through a couple of different kind of advertising focused roles between brand and content and, and you know, creative strategy. And then I landed at Gray, where, as you said, I'm the Associate Director of Gaming. What else? Um, I have a puppy named Dakota. A new puppy. A, a COVID puppy. A COVID puppy, which is, I, I think there's a negative connotation to that. But in reality, I think I'm giving her the training and love 
that I wouldn't have been able to give her. If oh, I think it's home. great. I mean, this, this is not a puppy podcast. Could be. It isn't. <laughs> it could be. But I think I the idea. Into that. The, oh exactly God. right. Exactly right. But I think the idea that more people are taking on pups, you know, and rescuing dogs is brilliant. I, that's definitely yeah. a silver lining. So, like your puppy. Yeah, right. Well, I, I did everything wrong when it came to getting a puppy. But yes, I also still have a. Uh, we, we also just got a puppy. Um, so I'm sure at some point one of them will yap in the background and that's all part of the campaign mode podcast approach, which is yeah, basically as low fi as you can get. It, yeah, it's our wholesomeness. Exactly <laughs> right. So um, Gaming at Grey, Associate Director of Gaming at Grey. Now, Grey as a global network works with um, some of the world's biggest brands, um, which means that you are now engaging directly with those brands uh, and having uh, sort of gaming-based conversations um, I know that the role for you, at least, is relatively recent, but how have you felt, uh, what sort of openness have those big brands had to the gaming conversation with you? You know, the role for me is new, and, and honestly, the role and kind of practice inside of Grey is a little bit new um, and carved out specifically as, as gaming, as a, a channel of communication. Um, you know, I, I've been at Grey, I think it's about three years now, and it's kind of the first large, it's, it is the first large agency I've ever worked at and probably the first like true advertising agency I've ever worked at. So again, I think those words can kind of, you know, denote almost like a negativity or a traditionalism that you might expect. Um, but honestly, in the three years I've been there, it's, it's a very like unexpectedly fascinating place. Like, you know, you have decades of kind of expertise and strategy there. And then you have kind of this new wave of, of thinking and, and bringing things to market. And, you know, it's, it's almost like, how do you, how do you tackle the kind of core foundational, you know, marketing and, and kind of advertising channels and still apply that, that smarts to, to new ways, including gaming, including social and, you know, how you work with influencers and, and all those pieces. So, yeah, I think I, I've been surprised and, and still am constantly surprised in kind of how how forward thinking and, and creatively led a lot of our work is. And it's it's refreshing, I guess you could say. Um, and again, it's my first large agency. So, you know, perhaps there are other agencies that kind of operate this way. But I've, I loved it. I mean, I started in operations in kind of project management. And, you know, I just I found myself working in more hybrid roles, um, you know, working with brands that we had that were kind of craving culturally relevant kind of like scrappy work, figuring out, you know, how do we join conversations real time? How do we make proactive and, and reactive content? And, you know, as I started to do that more and more, I, I just found myself getting involved in, you know, tech initiatives, partnerships. I mean, that's where you and I met, of course. Um, and it's just like, it's just fun to see and to like experience how much that's championed in a place that you, you might not expect it. Um, and I think even if you look at the work that's come out of, of gray, especially gray New York in the last five years, like you can, you can see this kind of very, very specific um, inspired, you know, creativity and all those things. So it's, I love it. Gaming is kind of like the next frontier for us. We've done some some pretty cool stuff already. Um, but yeah, I'm excited to kind of build this out a little bit. I think it's testament to um, how important the gaming world or the gaming industry is is for brands. And I think, you know, part of what we talk about in this podcast a lot, and, and you're the first guest we've had on 
sort of representing the agency side, which is why I was so excited to have you here. Oh, that's no pressure at all. Yeah, no, no sweat. But because uh, a lot of the, a lot of the other folks have been game side, whether it's platform or uh, publisher or uh, uh, distrib- distribution side. So I think it's fascinating to see that the appetite is there from for the big agencies, which is great. Finally, I think they they needed to get there, and it's good to see Gray doing that. But I also think it's testament to the fact that they realize that this is a multi-billion-dollar market. I, there's a great uh, stat I came across in uh, my morning check into the gaming world, but it, it's as follows, and it's probably old, but uh, it doesn't matter. Um, it's from Meltwater, and the, the fact is that Fortnite in 2019 um, received almost as much social media exposure as Brexit did or Game of Thrones, or Avengers oh for the first seven months of that year. So so you, actually, it had more chatter than uh, Avengers to, by a magnitude of uh, 3x. So, it, you know, that's just one game. It happens to probably be the um, on the vanguard of a lot of these conversations, but it's testament to the size and scope of this thing. Um, now, you're still, as I'm sure most people in advertising are, you're still uh, working from home, and the world is, you know, generally been turned a bit upside down. Uh, are you seeing, do you think you're going to see a new appetite for these platforms coming out of COVID, coming out of the work from home sort of thing? Do we think we're coming back to a, a new world order um, with gaming being much more central to how brands communicate? And that's not a setup question. I do think that, but I, <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I wanted to get your take on that. No, I definitely, I mean, look, we're in a year, we're like seven months into a quarantine. So I think looking forward, you kind of have to look back a little bit and like, you know, what happened over seven months that made it feel like, you know, gaming has just catapulted to the top of everyone's kind of interest list. I mean, quarantine, quarantining has affected so many things like emotionally and and, in society. It's like, you know, going outside feels gross like hanging out with your friends is like shameful you know it's like something you shouldn't do and I think you know when there are when that cultural shift happens and then you start to think of things like like gaming like you know vlogging like doing things from home that maybe and not to say that you know they weren't appropriate or productive ways to spend time but that wasn't the cultural conversation around gaming like a year and a half ago if you sat down and and played a game for an hour and a half there was almost like this lingering kind of like, you know, guilt of like, maybe I should be doing something that is deemed more kind of productive or, or, you know, better use of my time or whatever it may be. And I, and I think, you know, people equate it to kind of having more free time or being bored and that's why gaming has taken off. And I really think that it's more of like a, it's more of a shift in what we consider to be valuable ways to spend our time, you know? Um, so I think knowing that like, again, this is something that people want to do and are are passionate. Um, I mean, quarantine did give a little bit of more time and flexibility for them to do that. When you start to kind of look forward with that in mind, it's like, I I don't, to answer your question, and I think the question that a lot of people have is like, no, I don't see gaming like falling off. I don't see, you know, oh, there's the dog. I don't see, you know, people that, you know, played games throughout their quarantine, just putting down their console and and not playing anymore. Um, I think that what we are going to see... Oh, Dakota's really got a very strong point of view on this question. She has a lot of opinions. (laughs) No, ma'am. And so, yeah, I I just think the way that people play is going to be a lot different. And 
you know, again, there's trends that we've seen this year, given the climate and everything's basically going up, you know, more users, more time playing, more games, et cetera. Um, and I think the, the behavior we're going to see, especially whenever we do come out of, of what we consider to be the pandemic um, or normal life, I think obviously you're going to see a shift in like behavior. You're going to have more mobile gaming. You're going to have um, probably a drop in, in PC gaming, especially, yeah. you know, the more strategic titles, yeah. the, the realm and the age, like the things that people don't necessarily, you know, they might not have time and kind of mental capacity to really dive into the way they do um, when they're working from home. Yeah. Um, I think you'll see, we've seen a, a rise in, I guess you could say kind of consuming content. So like watching streams and, and gaming content, but I think specifically outside of, of, or I guess you could say post pandemic, I think that will exponentially grow. You know, people love these games. And yeah. if you can't play it because you're, you know, on the commute or you only have five minutes or whatever it may be, it's like, I, th I do think people will start to kind of put more attention than they ever have into kind of consuming that content. Um, What's fascinating what is the mobile thing. I mean, the mobile element of this, you know, this world represents such a large, still represents, you know, even in a lockdown moment when people have access to the more powerful sort of versions of a gaming experience, the mobile thing represents something like two thirds of consumption mm -hmm. of gaming. I think it's something in the region of 25% of all active apps, so i.e. apps that are engaged with um, within a certain benchmark. They're all 25% of them games. So. Yeah, dude. It's a redheaded stepchild too, which yeah. is funny to me. And I think that will go away. And I, I re like, I mean, not soon, but I, I think, I also think, um, like cross cross platform games that, if you have the chance to play a game with a PC or a phone, you're obviously going to play on a PC. Um, but you know, as our our schedules pick up things get weird, like you're you're still going to pick up your phone to play Call of Duty if you're not at home, you know what I mean, versus not playing at all. And I think with the rise of, again, more rise, not just, you know, adding on top of what you're saying, it's like additional rise in mobile gaming and more, I guess you could say kind of acceptance and kind of people being okay with, with cross-platform gaming and, and not, yeah. you know, making it this kind of thing that, that is like frowned upon. So... The, the point you made earlier around the time people have to engage, that, that is a big part of it, right? The fact that working from home gives you periods in the day where, you know, you're, you have 15 minutes and if you're so inclined, you can, you know, you can throw on a game and, and play. But what, what I think it also represents uh, at a time when we've really lost interpersonal connections. You, we were discussing before we started recording about socializing puppies, right? Like, I think people and families and individuals you know locked in their home and i should say these the, the folks that aren't frontline that aren't first you know essential workers um, and, and it's a lucky position to be in if you can work from home but uh they're craving those people are craving connectivity right so they're cra craving that third space experience which is somewhere to hang out a place to connect with friends somebody somewhere to uh talk to and be engaged in activities with friends and i think that gaming is just a vehicle for that right now and it's a powerful vehicle for it and i think that's why things like um you know counter-strike or uh fortnite or any of the team-based mm -hmm. games uh games that rely on communication are, are doing so well in fact I, I don't know if you saw that there was um 
this is a br- this is brilliant. I, 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 you know, these are one of the things where I read and I think, God damn it, I wish I'd done that. But <laughs> Lenovo, the um, uh, laptop makers, are uh, sponsoring the first professional. I guess you'd call them um, uh, OAP, like the older folks. These guys mm-hmm. are um, professional Counter Strike team made up of senior citizens, right? So the oldest player is seventy-seven years old. They're called the Silver Snipers, oh and to me, gosh. that's just. All right, so we think about, um, you know, you talk about creative agencies, the world that both you and I come from, where we spend our world, our time working out how to dissect a brief for a brand and think about how to apply creativity to it. And so often gaming feels like it has a mystique around it. And certainly doing uh, something intrinsic in platform can be complicated and you might need a gaming background to understand it. But an idea like that is purely the brand saying, okay, where's the white space? Who uses our uh, hardware? How do we communicate with them? Who's overlooked? What will get us the biggest bang for the buck? I know, the silver snipers. It's a fantastic (laughs) idea. And I think that I love that. And I think, you know, I think it was this year, maybe it was last year, um, Bumble did the the all-female kind of Fortnite team, which was super interesting. And I'm going to go slightly on a tangent, but I promise there's a light at the end of the tunnel. And, you know, hearing you talk about that, it, it reminds me, so I grew up, um in kind of like the kind the punk and hardcore community you know like you go to shows that are you know in in basements and kind of it's this friend of a friend thing it's not like you know your high profile like warp tour type thing so you know when you think about subcultures and what brands can do for subcultures like there is this assumption that's almost like we, we don't want you here. We don't need your help. Like right. anti-authority. And it's like, I think that's the same for, for kind of the hardcore scene and for um, gaming. And it, it's just not true. And I think about when I was, you know, younger and I would go to shows, we wished that we had, you know, brands that would get, give us bottles of water. Like we sometimes would have Red Bull stop by because, you know, there's local kind of ambassadors. But right. other than that, it's like we wish that there's people that would, or brands, I guess you could say, that would support the things that we wanted and were already doing, you know, put on a festival, put on a show, you know, feed the, you know, crowd of what 50 people or whatever it may be. And it's just like, I think there's this, this assumption that needs to be dispelled um, that like these communities don't want brands there because that's not it at all. It, it really is about not showing up with a solution to a problem that you made. I mean, there are so many niche communities in gaming. I, I can't know and you can't know and no marketer can know what each one of those, you know, what, what each one of those gaming communities wants, what each, you know, kind of blog and content series wants. Like, it's kind of, maybe it's obvious and I know it sounds obvious, but I, I don't see it enough. So I, I, I would beg that it's not obvious to the people in, in you know, marketing right now is like listening to the people in the community. Like, yeah. Starting with, don't start with your idea, start with what you want to do and what kind of value you want to provide. And then, you know, figure out what that end result looks like. And it might look like, you know, a new team for, you know, representation and inclusivity in a conversation that, you know, hasn't been moving forward fast enough. Great. How do you do that? You create this team and you, you know, promote them and give them a platform to talk about it. That's how you get there. And I think, you know, those two examples that we just talked about for the kind of the, you know, inclusive teams that didn't exist before. It's like brands shouldn't be expected to just know that and pop up with a solution and then hand that over to people and then walk away. It's like, it's really relationships and partnerships the way that I just don't see it as much 
um, right now, at least in in how brands and, and gaming is, are working together. Well, one of the things we've discussed a lot on this podcast is, um, and something you'll really res- will, will resonate with you is the the authenticity piece of. Um, of how you take a brand to the gaming world, right? So um, yeah, I spent 20 years in agencies where, I, I, I have to be honest with you, I think a lot of the work that comes out of uh, agencies is uh, probably well-targeted and, and reasonably right on message, but I think so often it's tone deaf when it comes to authenticity. And that doesn't matter too much in a world where you're buying television or you know, network digital, but it does matter when it comes to being part of a conversation, you know, in a gaming sense, right? Being accepted into a platform or a tournament or an event or a stream, right? Where, where realistically you won't be accepted into that unless you can find an authentic edge, an authentic angle to bring yourself into it. Like the, um, the Louis Vuitton partnership with uh, League of Legends, right? Mm-hmm. So, you know, they, they designed the trophy, they designed the case, they, they designed some skins in the game and, I'll be honest with you. I think initially I would have struggled to think how Louis Vuitton might fit into that space. But when you see what they did and how they uh, delivered it so authentically, I think if they can do it in something like League of Legends, then many of the brands you've mentioned or many of the big brands in the world can find their way into the right platform. Oh my goodness, Dakota likes that one. She's uh, D- Dakota's one of my uh, hype girls. I like that. She's, she's like, <laughs> she's yeah, just, Dan. She's like the audience in the background. Yeah, exactly um, right. Yeah, filmed in front of a live audience. Yes. Yeah. Um, no, but I was gonna say, I think you're exactly right, and I think also too, it's like you have to look at what these. I mean, okay, let's think about a, what is a successful gaming activation. There's two things, to me. One is who's defining success. You know what I mean? It's I. Trade publications are awesome. They, you know, when they celebrate great work, that's always good. But I think when you, when, you know, when I start to think about like, what is a successful brand and gaming partnership, like nine, nine, and it might be 10, nine to 10 out of 10 times, the brand is not asking for, for much, if anything, you know, it's not, we did this for you. Now sign up for this or buy my thing or follow us right. or, you know, whatever it may be. Yeah. And then the second part is like, who, who's talking about the success again, like the trade pubs are like super interesting and, you know, are great kind of amplifiers of, of good work when it, when it comes out. But when I, when you ask me to think about partnerships, brand partnerships that have been championed in gaming, like, you look at Twitter, you look at subreddits, you look at like the conversation that's happening on streams. That's a different kind of success than I think brands are, are typically used to. And, and I guess you could say more traditional um, channels. That is kind of a slight, it's a slight pivot, like mentally of like, what is your, your KPI for lack of better word? It's like PR is great. Um, is brand love, brand affinity, you know, um, a feeling of kind of being authentic and intimate with a brand and knowing what they stand for. Like if those are, are more important, um, for whatever, you know, the idea might be that generally will, I think will set brands up for, for finding the right way to execute in the community. Um, do you, so yeah, I think, I think that's all, you know, really spot on. And I actually, this is sort of sacrilegious, but I don't know necessarily that that you know this this world right now is right for every brand. I think you know the world is so broad 
there are games across such a broad spectrum that there's probably a home uh, if you do the right research for for the right brands. But but if you're I guess, you know, there's a there's a laziness that comes along with some of the bigger brands just applying themselves to the biggest platforms because, of course, what they're buying is reach, right? These big brands mm -hmm. need that sort of reach. But that's where I have a problem because, you know, if you're um, a brand that doesn't really have a, a right to be in that space, I think you have to readdress whether or not you should be in the space and then find uh, that reach through a collection of other partnerships, perhaps across a broader range. I'm not seeing that happening uh, all that frequently right now. But what is interesting, especially with people like uh, you in the roles you're now in at a big agency, is that I think the next six to 12 months, we're going to start seeing that change, right? And I'm not, you know, this is not to say necessarily that Amanda Davis is going to do all that changing, although <laughs> I suspect you'll do much of it. it but it is just that uh, if we can apply our strategic and creative brains to how this should be done properly, um, we're going to see more of it, which is why Talking about it, in my opinion, is so interesting because week to week, uh, there's such significant change. And that's what that's probably what must make what you do now for a living so interesting, right? Exactly. And I think that you also said something that's even worth like, you know, plus wanting is that gaming is so broad. And I think when you're not involved in gaming, it seems like it's this kind of bubble that sits apart from, for instance, you know, the rest of your audiences. There's, you know, a, a dozen things that go on in that community and it doesn't have anything to do or touch the other passion points of, of your audience. And that's that's dangerous thinking, first of all. And second of all, the depth of what we include when we say gaming, it's, it's also, you know, you have everything from Animal Crossing and Among Us to Call of Duty to Fortnite. Like, the range of games are, are so vast. And then on top of that, you obviously have, you know, these kind of offshoots of culture. It's, you know, it's music, it's entertainment, it's TV, it's comic books, it's all these other things. And, and I think it's almost like saying like, do you like music? And I was right. like, yeah, well, I like, I like my music. You know, you might like different music. I don't know about your music. You don't have to know about everyone's music to like music. And I think too, it's like, using that same kind of example is like, you know, slapping a billboard. I don't know if I can, you know, say names, but at like a Coachella, for instance, doesn't really give the same kind of brand association that like, you know, putting on a great, you know, Coachella after party or, you know, even better off by after party or something else. You know what I mean? Right. It's like, it's, it's two different ways of, of doing it. And granted, the billboard and the kind of, you know, pre-roll and the, you know, sponsorships, it's not bad by any means. Again, like this community needs support and wants support. And if you're helping them, you know, I think that's also like when you're watching Twitch and you see ads come up, it's somehow less annoying um, than when you see them come up anywhere else. Because yeah. you know that like that streamer, I'd like to see them stream more. I'd like to see them not have to work five nights, right. but I want them to right. stream an extra night. So it's like, it's almost this transparency that in 2020, we all know, like we all know that brands provide money and resources to people. And that's not like a dirty thing or it doesn't have to be. I think depends on how you go about it. Like supporting kind of initiatives that help move the conversation forward is not like a, a negative thing. And I'm trying to get back to your question because I know I'm kind of rambling. No, it's um, good. Ramble. <laughs> but yeah, I just, you know, I think that there's a lot of ways that you can experiment and like, you know, find out what you can provide as a brand, find out how you can do it 
find out who you start talking to, don't come in with, you know, an idea. Hey, I know you guys need this. I'm a savior and I'm, yeah. here, I'm here to provide the cash right. for it. It's like, sit down with them. Like, don't have an ego. Don't make it about a transaction. Like, and again, I think that is not new in 2020. I think especially younger consumers are kind of demanding like authentic value driven messages and communications from brands. And in return, that usually turns into sales. Sure. But it's not, you know, it's not the barrier of entering something. And um, it doesn't have to be, it doesn't have to represent that part of your purchase funnel to use a mm -hmm. horrific madman term, but like, you know, you don't necessarily needing to be prompting to sale or prompting to purchase or prompting to sign up. Like you said, that isn't the point uh, oftentimes where you, you need to be doing that, but as part of a broader strategy, a broader approach to how your brand goes to market, there's no question right now that gaming should be part of that consideration. And please, for all my creative agency friends listening, please don't start with Fortnite every time because they don't want to buy it. I know the guys at Fortnite, well, they're not interested in your brand unless you have something that you're bringing something to the table. You're adding some value to the game. If you're not, don't bother. Working with Fortnite is, you know, there's some fantastic stuff that's come out of it, but it's the equivalent to me too of like, making a Black Friday deal. It's such a, a, a loud place. And there's so many, you know, small businesses, small yeah. markets, like, you know, places that you can support that do need, you know, a little bit of help, a little bit of a platform, a little bit of, of reach yes. and kind of, of things that you can do that one, especially if you're a brand just getting into gaming, it's, it's, I, I understand it's very hard. You don't know where to start. Do I start with this game? Do I start with that? Do I make videos? Like, where do I go? And I think, Gaming is very much that place where you, you can just start with a conversation, like talk to a talk to a team, talk to a streamer, talk to, you know, a title. I, like, I would recommend go back and listen to all the campaign mo podcasts because all the people <laughs> you probably need to speak to have been on this in the past six months. Right. Like we've had the guys from ESL. We have Amanda Davis right now, the associate director of gaming at Gray. Like reach out to those people. That's a good place to start. And I really mean that, Like you know, the. More than ever, and the reason I love doing this podcast is when I reach out to, not you, because you're my mate, but I reach out to, you know, Eli, who runs uh, uh, the, the commerce part of the eSports League, who, and you, I know you know the eSports League mm -hmm. guys as well. They're a big deal. They fill stadiums, but they're still looking for ways to connect with brands, ways to connect with consumers. They're, they're really open. It might be the most open cohort of people I've ever come across in my advertising brand career. And that's super refreshing to me. And again, it's it's totally, to me, dispelling this idea that I, I worry that a lot of brands have and, and I've heard from brands is that it's a place that's like scary to get into or like, you know, it's, um, it's a negative place or they don't want brands or they don't need our help. Like at, uh, help is the key word there. Like how do you help what, what is already happening instead of bringing your own kind of idea of how something should should move forward or a conversation that you want to start. Like the, there's so much happening in this community that like, you really don't have to spin your wheels trying to solve a problem for, for something that you might not firsthand understand. Yes. I'm just going to let that sink in for a minute. <laughs> it's really right. Uh, and, and actually it's why when I talk about the gaming space with, um, you know, friends and colleagues, etc., it's why I hearken back to when I first started my career in digital as it was, you know, 18 or 20 <laughs> years ago, and it all, felt, it, yeah, it, it all felt new, like it felt like that uh, and be part of, you know, emerging technologies, 
was what drove brands and was what made them interesting at that moment. And then it became um, uh, commonplace and vanilla. I mean, that was where everybody had to be. But before that happens to this world, and I hope it doesn't happen to this world, I suspect it won't, these brands have an opportunity to plant their flag and to, um, you know, to really stand for something. And one of the, you know, main players in that for the next 10 years is going to be Amanda Davis at Grey, <laughs> right? Leading, leading the gaming charge uh, left and right. So, so what's coming up for you? You've got um, your connected. I'm sure you're starting to, you know, really build connections both between brands and publishers and um, the uh, streaming channels. But what what does what does the next few weeks and months look like for Amanda Davis? Oh boy! Um, Apart from raising a puppy. Raising a puppy. Hopefully, I'll take a vacation. No, I'm just kidding. Um, I will take a vacation. You we'll should. see. Um, yeah, I mean, I think again, what what we're seeing with with pandemic, quarantine, weird world, weird holiday. Obviously, there's like some really exciting releases coming up this year. It's going to be a whirlwind. Like Q4 2020 is going to be a little bananas. There's going to be stuff flying left and right. I'd imagine a lot of brands are have spent this year, again, starting to dig in a little bit to gaming. I think we're going to see a lot of, um, I guess you could say, successful and not as successful uh, partnerships and activations come out. I think, again, it sometimes can happen. You get this like race to the moon mentality of like, who's the first brand that can work with this title or, you know, offer this, you know, partnership piece. Um, so I'm going to be honest, I don't think everything that happens over the next four months is going to be groundbreaking. Um, I think it'll give us a lot to talk about. Uh, I do think there will be this kind of concurrent cultural conversation that starts to merge. Um, I mean, we've already seen it with streamers and influencers kind of becoming these larger personalities. But I, I do think that this is the year or I hope it's the year, it's about to be the year, where where marketers really stop seeing gaming as like an other. That's what I always say. I, it's like, it's not an other. It's not a different customer. It's not a different world. It's not a different culture. These are the same people that are yeah. like, you know, they're on TikTok, they're on Facebook, they're watching TV, they have families, they're like, they're going outdoors. Like, there's not this kind of delineation of gaming and, and the rest of the world like there used to be. So I, I think and I hope there will be kind of more, there's not really a better word to say this. Maybe it'll come out of my mouth as I speak, but I would say more kind of like sh shared cultural moments, um, you know, like New Year's, for instance, whatever the Super Bowl turns into, like all of these things that have always been very like physical, traditional, you know, moments of conversation. I don't think those will go away, but I do think they will turn into these kind of amorphous, conversations across everything um, without it feeling so siloed. So yeah, in the next couple of weeks, I'm, I'm looking at 2021. I'm looking at, you know, what will happen um, and kind of talking a lot with, with our partners about what should happen. Um, it's like growing a city. You know what I mean? Like you can tell when you just threw some high rises up and put some fake grass down and there's not a feel to it. There's not like a vibe or a personality. So very heady answer, but all to say, I'm I'm looking into what what is next year. What do we need to do? How can brands help? How can brands push the conversation forward? How can you support you know a community that's? I mean, they're doing great. Like the gaming community is fantastic. Does it need brands? No. Does it want brands? Yes. 
brands to do things the right way. And, and I think that's, that's kind of my charge. The interesting fact, well, you, you just made about 30 interesting points and I will go back and steal most of them. <laughs> but uh, the, 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 the thing to remember for me is that uh, gaming, the gaming world, gaming brands, gaming platforms have two ways of making money. One is through their sales, of course, right? That represents um, opportunity for them to not be tied to ad revenue. So you can think very clearly about the fortnights of the world. Um, they have a lot of ways of making money, not least of which through Unreal, but they have a lot of ways of making money. So if you have an idea, it better be bloody good, otherwise they're uninteresting. Then there are mm -hmm. platforms that don't quite have the mechanisms for making the money that something like a Fortnite does. Uh, and or they're the streamers out there that represent an important part of the gaming world. And they do rely on advertising money. Um, Twitch relies on advertising money. Mm -hmm. um, YouTube relies on advertising money. So, you know, if you, if you are a brand and you're nervous, and Amanda said it really well, you're nervous about getting into the space, you feel like they don't need you. On one hand, the big brands don't, so you better have a great idea. On the other hand, they do. And you just, but I think you just got to come to the table open and be strategic and be looking to work with them on how you can bring the brand to life in their world, right? And I suppose that's, that's you know, a large part of what your exciting job is, right? Working out how to thread those needles. Oh, yeah, that sounds simple. Yeah. But it's fun. Luck. And it's like, it's also advertising that you feel good about. Like, for sure. I mean, you and I have talked about this at length um, previously, but um, I, I do think I learned kind of, I kind of had this backwards way into advertising. I didn't go to ad school, obviously. It kind of started started from the bottom a little bit. Um, but I, I spent a lot of time at, at Vice and at Virtue, which is the advertising arm. And I think that's where a lot of these, these kind of values-driven ability for a brand to stand for something kind of got, got shaken into my head in a way that, like, I, I, I can't really see the value in, you know, marketing that doesn't have a dialogue and doesn't provide something to both people. It's like marketing is a transaction, like just like H buying something is a transaction. You get something when you pay money, a brand shows up somewhere they provide something and the consumer provides either attention or sales or, you know, affinity, whatever it may be. And I think that's always been what advertising is. I just think it's hard to necessarily quantify that on, on some channels versus others. And, and candidly, not every channel needs that amount of, of dialogue, I guess you could say, you know, when you think about kind of traditional broadcast media, it's really about providing entertainment, you know, comedy, something, you know, funny or clever in a commercial that's value like that. You're adding value to someone's life because they enjoyed that moment that they weren't watching whatever they're watching. Well, you've had value to my life. Today. Thank you so much. So this I, just, has been I just want to go on record and say that. And um, it's like it's not even raining outside. I know it's a rainy day, <laughs> but I do want uh, to make sure that you and Dakota will come back on the podcast and uh, and keep us up to date with what's happening um, in the agency world on this stuff. I think it's super interesting. So um, our, our new regular correspondent from the world of advertising. <laughs> Uh, what a title. Amanda Amanda Davis and Dakota Davis because she and Dakota. Got, got your last name right. Um, uh, thanks for letting me pick your brains and being so honest and, and uh, sort of giving us a glimpse behind what it is uh, you're getting into. It's brilliant to hear from that side of the world rather than just the gaming side. So I thank you so much for your time and uh, I would love to have you back sometime soon. So fantastic. Thanks, Dad. We will do this again. Thanks, pal. See you. Okay. How great is Amanda Davis, everybody? Yes, I know, right? Um, so 
I'm thrilled that she could come on, take the time to uh, take a, take an hour out of her busy day and sit and chat to us. And I, I, I promise you, and we spoke after we were recording, that I will have Amanda back on a regular basis. I'd love to get that ongoing insight into sort of the agency world when it comes to branding and gaming uh, and not just stick with the gaming point of view, which we, I know we've done a lot of. So she'll be back um, and others from that space. Now, we are going to be back on our regular cadence. Our regularly scheduled programming will commence. So make sure you subscribe so you get the notifications uh, in your uh, playlist uh, for the most recent, most fresh campaign mode podcast. Um, that's about it. If you want to reach out to us to suggest guests or questions of upcoming guests, by all means do. Our contact information is in the show notes. Uh, I think that's it. It's great to be back. It, I, I really appreciate you listening, and we'll see you next week on the Campaign Mode podcast. Thanks very much, everybody. <laughs>